0: Hello everyone, can you hear me? Isn't it good to be in the presence of God? Yes, even if it's cold. I know you're not cold, but I'm really cold. (laughs) I come from an island where our winter would be like, what do you say? 70 degrees. (laughs) So can you imagine being here for the first time? And... I was told that it was one of the best days that you've had since the beginning of the year. So Vijesh probably told you that that we believe that God created Mauritius first. So he lives there and he visits USA from time to time. In spring and and summer, I guess. So, like Joe said, um, I'm a teacher, school teacher. So and I work with kids from twelve to fifteen and you know how tough that is. Yeah. I've been there too, but I can't say that we were the same. Things have changed. But I'm glad to be there. I'm glad because uh what I love to do is to be with them and help them find their way through all this what is happening around them. Because it's very hard for them. Sometimes we can be hard with them. But I believe I know it's very, very hard for them, especially to 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 be living in this season, in this world where we are, where everything we see, everything we hear is sometimes very, very bad. So we can understand how they panic sometimes and give us a hard time. So and uh, I'm married to Natasha, my only wife. So we've been married for the past 13 years, and we have three sons, Isaac, who is 12, Nathan, who is 10, and Yaron, who will turn five in some days. So, And we enjoy doing ministry with young people as well, because I was sharing that with Joe. We, I have been seeing a lot of our young people in church who grew in church, who were born and raised in church, leave the church after some time because they find no interest in the church. They, find, they don't find their place in the church. And what is sad is many of the leaders back there, they take it for granted that every Sunday they see the young people in the church. But that doesn't mean that they, their heart is in the church. Many times they come because their parents come. Yes. And they have some interest there, here. They have friends here. They have girlfriends or boyfriends but when they found better interest outside, they leave. And this really silences my heart because I can't imagine. I was saved when I was 14. I always uh, told the Lord I would have loved to be in children's ministry. I would have learned a lot. And I was in youth ministry. So I said, how come people turn their back on the Lord? Or let's, let me say on the church. Mm-hmm. 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 So because many times it's like that. It's not the Lord; it's the church, because we don't take time to cater for our young people. We feel that they are here, and we often tell them, and they believe that, that they are the next generation. So they tend to believe that when they will be old, they'll get serious about the things of the Lord. But let me tell you, they are this generation. They are part of our generation. They are the one to rise up right now. With what is happening all around us, they are the one who should be able to stand and make their voices heard. Clearly, like a trumpet to their friends, that this is not the way it should be. Amen? So we are working seriously about that. So we reach out a lot to young people. A lot of people come to me for counseling. I'm also a school counselor, but I do Christian counseling as well. So I'm scared sometimes when people come to me and say, did you know that Nahum was in the Bible? I say, what have you been reading all the time? said, I was shocked yesterday when I opened my Bible, I saw Amos. I said, okay, he was there for so much time. So, you know, it sounds funny, but it's, it's like the people don't even read the Bible now. And I'm scared, but because of what will come out, because we were talking about that yesterday in the men's meeting, what comes in is what will go out. That's right. Is it really? That's right. So... We, we want to teach them the Bible, to become disciples, but to, to know God for themselves. It's not the God of their fathers, which is true, but it will be their God that they serve. Amen. So that's a bit about what we do. I've been leading worship for the past 20 years as well in two churches, and I enjoy music. I love singing, but God has been calling me to do something, something more difficult because singing is quite easy but talking to people and trying to not get them bored. <laughs> so I will try to see this morning if I'm doing a good job. Okay? In Mauritius, people don't sleep in my meetings. So I guess I hope I will do the same here. So that's what I've been doing uh, these past years. So we started Hope Ministries, which is a ministry that takes care of the young people, to disciple them and train them, and send them to the world to be ambassadors of Christ. So the book that I've wrote, like Joe said, is, a, is a, from a revelation I got with the Lord because I was invited, you, you know Vijesh, yes. Yes. he was yes. with you. So I was invited at Vijesh Church uh, two years ago and I prepared to preach on praise and worship because that's what I do best and I thought I would be you know, able to speak on it. And at night, in my dream, the Lord came to me and said, Shane, do you really know what worship is all about? I was ready to say yes, but then I realized. You remember this conversation between Job, Job, and and the Lord. <laughs> and I say, you're you're getting tricky now. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was wise enough to say, No, Lord, tell me what it is all about. So the Lord started speaking to me about worship, but it was worship in a different perspective that I've ever realized, and ever lived it. Because I've always understood worship to be, um, I won't say a religious duty, but it was what I did for the Lord. Mm -hmm. It was my gift, my offering to Him. I would bring my worship to Him. But the Lord made me understand that worship was more than that. Worship was His gift to us. He wants us to enjoy worship because He is in worship. And our friend Daniel Tevni said something very beautiful when I was in France. He said, if you want to understand worship, look at the Trinity. Yeah. This is where worship happens first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit yeah. they love each other, they respect each other, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God showed me how worship was meant to be not only for him, but for us. We are invited in worship. During our worship time, we worship, and God worships back. I was, I was scared by the, the idea of God saying that he worships as well, because I said, me? Do you really know me? Do you know what I've done? You'll hear in a minute what my life has been like. So I, I, I said to God, I don't really feel that's right. I worship you because you deserve it. I love you, I praise you because you deserve it. I don't deserve anything. But the Lord said to me something that changed my life that night. That he would not ask anything from us that he has not given himself first. In everything God does, he does first. Because he's the first and last. He asked us to love him as a command. But he loved us first. Because it would be f- unfair for God to ask us to do something that he would not do himself. Right. I know that sounds weird. I'll let you read the book. <laughs> but this blew my mind. Actually, I woke up just after that and I started casting out Satan because I thought it was not God. I said, how could the God of universe, the God who created all things, be interested in me and love me so much? But God then taught me that worship is not a religious duty because I come from a Catholic family I always saw worship uh, uh, what we did in church on Sundays or on the days where where the mass so I thought worship was part of kneeling down raising my hands giving my offering that is good but God showed me that is only the expression of our worship it is a form of worship but it is not what worship really is he told me that worship is love expressed in its highest, purest, and strongest form that we will ever imagine? And that is the kind of love that God has loved us. Yeah. And that is why He wants us to enjoy it back. Yeah. So, worship, guys. I know I've lo- I love singing. Jeff is doing a great job, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Can we encourage the worship team for a moment? Yeah. I think they sound great. I don't say it often, but I felt led into the presence of God this morning. Because sometimes you go in a meeting, you just have to skip that part. I know. And thank you guys for the wonderful job you're doing back there. The sound is very good. It helps us to enjoy the worship time. So you're blessed. So this is what worship now means to me. When I'm in the time of worship, because we always thought about the lifestyle of worship, and I always wondered, how would we do in heaven, like just bowing down, lifting our hands, sitting perhaps for five minutes, and then bowing down, lifting our hands, and saying only holy, 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 holy. I would say, that's boring. (laughs) Let's be true. I said it. I know you did as well. So don't be so spiritual this morning that you think, like, I'm the one who said it. No, Lord, it's him. I know we all say that. Didn't you wonder what? how, how I won't say, how long will eternity be? But doing only that, that scared me sometimes. I said, and I thought, as... I always saw God, the, the kids will know that, you've been kids as well. So I always thought God, uh, God like this big money too. You know what money is? The, the big chief, uh, Indian chief, um, not from India. No, the, those Indians from here, American. okay? The chief would sit on a throne and people, his subjects would just come and bow before him and say, you are great, you are king, and he would be so happy about it. And I tend to believe that the Lord was like that. And I sometimes say, "How I don't know, how selfish of you. Like, you know what? I speak to God like my friend. And till now, he has never rebuked me about that. I think he likes when we speak our hearts to him. And I was saying to him, why do you want me to do that? Aren't you already God? Does it mean so much to you that I say that to you? Because I always thought that it was all about worship. That's what worship was. When we would flatter God, of course, it is part of worship, how we express our worship. But worship is first from the heart. You can say everything you want, anything you want, the nice things you're saying, but if your heart is not in it, it's not worship. That's right. So you can spend so many t- so much time in church doing, and you think that you've done it, but the Lord says, these people only honors me with, with, with the lips but their heart is far from me. The Lord is after the heart of men. He's always been. He, in fact, created us to be in relationship with him. That's worship. And because men are men, that's what God told me. They were slow to learn, so he gave them a woman to make it quick. (laughs) I'm serious about it. When he saw Adam, he said, you're too slow. Guys, if you're like me, you know what I'm talking about. So he said, I speed it up. Go to sleep, Adam. And finally, when he woke up, oh, woman. Okay. And God said, now you'll understand what I want from you. Because she'll tell you what she wants from you. <laughs> this is so true, you know. Nothing was done out of the blue. Women, you are so, so important for the Lord. You're teaching us relationship, mm-hmm. and we sometimes get it wrong. Mm, yeah. And thank God. And that's why the Lord said, it is not good for men to be alone. Amen. Mm. amen. Let the men say amen. <laughs> or else you'll be in trouble after church. <laughs> so I'll let you read the book, but it's, it's, it has changed my life because now when I come into his presence, like I was sharing earlier with you, I often feel like I'm not worth it. Because of all I've done, sometimes we fail. I do fail. I'm not perfect. I'm not sitting, uh, standing here because I'm perfect. I, I said to the brothers la- uh, yesterday, I would not have chosen me. Knowing who I am, sometimes I can be bad. But he chose me. So I realize it's not about me. Sometimes we tend to be so focused on ourselves. But it's about Him. He's the center of worship. Everything revolves around him. But he is so kind and so generous, so loving, that he invites us to come in. And the Lord is seeking for true worship. And you'll agree with me, there is true worship, there is also false worship. And this is where we as Christians need to be very careful, because many times we only worship with a form but we don't have the power of it. We don't really go to the heart of worship. Yeah, that's true. So that's what I, the Lord wanted me to know. And I was sitting there in my office. I realized, oh my goodness, 18 years of leading people somewhere. I didn't know, even know where. Because we had, I was sincere with, with what I was doing, but the Lord wanted me to, to realize that he and I, needed to enjoy what worship is that's why we're going to heaven to enjoy this to the fullness because what we are experiencing now here is only a glimpse of what we will be experiencing so if you think sometimes it's wow i'll let you wonder how wow it will be in heaven (laughs) when there will be no fear from our part to come near to him because we do have that kind of because And the devil is very, you know, good at it. While you're lifting your hands, he shows you yesterday, and you put your hands down. Hmm? Or even closer, while you're lifting your hands, he shows you this morning while your wife burned your clothes. So he said what you were saying, and so you put your hands down. Because he's the accuser. But the Lord is the redeemer. He asks us to come to him. He invites us to come to him. The word "ginosko" is to know intimately. God wants us to know him. Not just know about him, but know him. Yeah. But because when we'll know him, we won't be scared of him. We will see who he really is. And we are called to know him because as he is, so are we. Until you discover who God is, you won't discover who you are. You might fill your life with so many things, so many ideas, so many concepts, but your true identity is finding the Lord, and you need to know who God is for you to understand who you are, because we were made in his image. That's what worship does in our life. Worship transforms us to become like God. Worship changes you. Worship is so powerful that that's why God reserves worship for himself and no one else, because You become what you worship. Why is it so quiet? (laughs) Okay. I know, I was just teasing them because you have to look at their face. (laughs) I'm funny as well, so let's, let's, I'll leave you to read the book. So, and enjoy this new journey in worship. It changed my life. Now I I have no fear when I come to the Lord. I know he's the Lord, he's king, he's the judge, but he's my daddy. And my sons know how to come to me, even when they mess up. They know how to say, dad, and you melt. It's like that. Well, I was saying last week in a church, they know that when they need money, they say, dad... (laughs) And because we've known that for a long time, we say, how much? <laughs> to be quick. And sometimes, you know, the Lord made me realize that we can come to him because he says, before we open our mouth to speak of our needs, he already knows and he has already provided. All we have to say is, Dad, but how many of us enjoy that relationship with him? He wants us to be close, not far. Not to worship from afar, like we fear him, we worship him, but it's like that, no. But he invites us. Do you find it, uh, didn't you find it, um, How should I say, weird how he says, when you pray, close the door behind you. I always wondered why. Because he wants intimacy with us. He wants no one else to disturb what is going to happen between you two, just as two lovers. We are his lover, and he's our lover. So we don't want a third party inside. That's why he asked us to come into the room and close the door behind, because he wants to whisper things to you. He wants to whisper his heart. John knew that. John laid his head on his chest, on his heart. He could hear the heartbeat of the Lord. And how many times the Lord has called you to that intimacy? But we have just said, no, I'm not worthy. I'm not going there. Sometimes for fear being, of being changed. Because when you're changed by God, there's no return, no turning back. It's forever. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I, I, I was asked by Joe to share my personal testimony. And I believe, I've said this before, I have a lot of messages to teach on. But my biggest, my strongest, my deepest message is what I believe. My life is my message. Yes, it was a a mess before, but God turned it out to be a message. And so today I will share my testimony with you. I hope you're not too bored, not too scared with what I would say. So I was born in a family of six children, four boys and two girls. I was the fourth, so it was like four boys and the last two girls. I was the fourth son. And... um, my, my dad was a hard worker. He worked really hard. He's been working since the age of 12 because his dad passed at that time. So he took care of his family, and now he was taking care of our family. So hardworking, and, but unfortunately, barely pre, rarely present at home because he worked late. And after he worked late, he, he enjoyed being with his friends. He liked beer. So he went to the pub to be with his friends and came back home late. So, I grew up with a dad. I, know, I knew I had my dad. He was very loving, like, he would provide, he would take care of us, he, would, he was never rude to us, he was so gentle, but he was not really present. Mm-hmm. So, my mom was the one to take care of the family. She was the chief in the house, so, and she was a strong woman. So, I grew up with many of my two sisters because we are very close of age, but my three brothers <laughs> are, the, are elder by five year, more years, like me and my third brother. So I grew up mainly with my, do- uh, my sisters and my mom. That was my clan. The others were outside. So at the age of six, I was abused sexually by several male adults. And this happened several times and several years, until I was 10. At the time, I was so confused about my identity because I wanted to really know. I felt that I was not like every other boys of my age. I never had a role model to be manly, to be like a boy. I never played soccer. Even if soccer is very important in Mauritius, I never get to learn because my brothers were not there for me. My dad was not here for me. So I stick with girls, I stick with my sisters, I learn to play with dolls, I learn to play their games and everything. So when the, this thing happened to me, I thought perhaps I deserved it. So, and you know what? In my family, my brothers were, they are good men, they're good people now. So but they didn't like school at all. So they all dropped out of school early in high school. So I was the fourth son, the last son. My mom always taught taught me, like, you need to do something about this. Our hopes are on you. You're going to be the one who will lift up the name of the family, you know? This is so important. I I don't know if for you it's like that, but for us, boys are very important. They are the ones who carry the name of the family. So I had to do something about it. So very young, I received a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. So my mom would say, you have to behave at school. You have to do that. You have to be good in everything you do. You have to have good grades. You have to speak well, uh, you know, live well, so that everyone will be proud of you and the family will be honored. So when that happened to me, can you imagine me going and saying that to my parents? Getting the police involved. At the time, it was such a taboo that I chose to remain silent. Because I, wouldn't, I didn't want to be the one who brought shame on my family. And all these prejudices that would come along. So I remained silent. And I just lived my life like there was nothing happening. So in the morning, I would wear a mask where I would be smiling, be the perfect little boy growing up. For everyone so that everyone is happy because that was also a sense of satisfaction for me when everyone is happy I'm happy that's what I thought it was but when my mom is angry that's when things are bad so I felt guilty so I wore that mask at even school no one knew because I kept the secret so close so so tight that no one knew what was happening to me so for four years I've endured that and you know what these guys they knew about it. They knew I didn't want the word to go out, so they would use that as a pressure over me, like for me to do what they wanted me to do. So I would just do it, and with time, it became just—it became a routine. I know you would say this can never be a routine, but when you've been in that for years, it ju- you just do it. You don't even think about it. And there was something as well, but I would. I thought I would gain from that as well because I always crave for my dad's affection. So I thought if those men are doing that to me, perhaps they like me. Perhaps I'm important to them. That's why they chose me. You know, I had also other questions. Why me? Why not my cousins who are my same age and everything? But I, I preferred lying to myself and say, perhaps you're special. That's why they chose you. So I felt somehow... Special when they would call me. I'd say okay. They would give me gifts, sweets, and everything. So they they were kind to me, but they would still be abusing me. So I took it, I preferred taking it this way instead of looking it at abuse and you know ill treatment. So but my pillow was my best friend at the time. At night I would just break in tears, you know, because I could not tell to anyone, but I had to endure it silently. So this went on for four years until I was 10. One day, I don't know why, but now I think about it, I think uh, it's the Lord who gave me the strength. One day he called me, and I said no. And the guy said to me, don't you know what will happen if you don't come? We'll tell everyone about it. I said to the guy, I was 10, but I was really mature in my head. I said to him, you know what? You can't make me more dirty than I am now. Go along, do whatever you want. I'm already a mess. You can't mess it more. It can't be worse. So you can do whatever you want, say to everyone, anyone you want, I won't come, I'm fed up with that. It stops now. And thank God they stopped. They didn't force me to come back. And that was the end of their part in my life. But as you know, I grew up with that. And that um, kind of sexuality was the only thing I ever knew as a child. So when I started going to high school, junior high, I started feeling attraction for boys of my age. What I really wanted was their affection to be validated by them. But the only way I knew to be in, re- in a relationship with a boy was through sex. That was the only intimacy I was having at the time. So I started seeking like homosexual relationships with boys of my age, sometimes older. But it was like this time, it was my choice. And it became like a drug for me. I struggled with it for a long, long, long time. But I even wanted to die at the age of 14. I was so desperate because as a Catholic, I knew it was wrong. I knew that homosexuality is wrong. The Bible says it's wrong. So I didn't know what to do about it. And I didn't want people to know it was still a secret for me. I was still living a secret life, because if my parents would knew, it would be worse than being abused. Now I would be thrown out of the house. So I kept it a secret until I was 14. I was so suicidal at the time. I would pray at night, God, make it that I don't wake up the next morning, please. That's the only thing I ask. I don't ask you anything, please. Make it when I sleep tonight. I just don't wake up, and this will all end. But God had other plans for me. Praise His name. Yes. So at the time, I had a good friend who was a Christian. So she she never knew my story. I only t- told her about it when we were grown ups. So even when she was there at the time, she just saw that I was so sad, and she said, "Why don't you come to me with me to youth ministry this Saturday?" I said, okay, I've never been there. I will go. So I went to youth group, and I was impressed to see all the young people so joyful, so happy, so full of peace. And I thought I knew Jesus, too, because I'm a Catholic. So why don't I have have that peace and joy? I was, like, wondering what was happening, you know? And I would like to encourage the youth here and the youth leader Jesus can save people even in youth group, in, in youth ministry. Don't ever think that it's not the duty of a youth leader to, to call people to, for salvation. Just be led by the Holy Spirit. At the time, the pastor who was leading the youth group called, for, uh, he made an altar call. He said, uh, those who want to accept Jesus should come forward. And I only said one thing. I said, Lord, if going it, because I was very shy and introvert because of what was happening to me, I never opened up to people. I would be scared even to ask for the time to someone. If I knew you, if I were close to you, I would talk to you. But if I never knew you on the bus, I would never speak to anybody because I was so scared as well. So I said to the Lord, if going forward would give me the same joy and peace that these kids have, I'm ready to do anything that the pastor would say. So I went forward. He prayed for me. And you know what? thing that happened instantly was the peace that filled my heart. It was instant. And I no longer wanted to die. I couldn't explain it. For the first time in my life, I wanted to live. I wanted to be happy. You know? And I saw life like being good now. Enjoyable. But still, there were so so many things happening. So the The attractions were still here. Now I was more confused because I was born again. I read the Bible. So I was really concerned about what was happening. But I couldn't find help anywhere because no one was talking about this in church. And still sometimes now, you know, we don't speak about it. We ignore the problem. We think it's outside of the church. But I was in the church And I can tell you, I've spoken to to Pastor Joe about it. I was in the church. I was having sex with the guys of the church, the young people in the church. And no one knew, the pastor didn't have a clue about it. And we were there every Sunday, every youth meeting, every weekday's meeting. I was very engaged in church, so involved in everything. I was a youth leader as well. So all this was going on while I was a Christian. Can you imagine? I was spirit-filled. I may shock you, but that's the truth. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I I spoke in tongues. I even prophesied in church. But still, it was happening. So now I was living a double life. Is it how you say it? Yeah. Double Double life, yeah. I was Christian. We don't have the words in English. In French, we would say, I was Chrétien but I was also crétin. It's close, which means I was a hypocrite. Mm. So I was there serving the Lord. I was glad I I was saved, and I was involved. I was giving my time, my energy, my life to the Lord at his service, even if it was hard for me because my family at at that point rejected me because we were very uh, engaged in Catholic church and also in Hinduism. My family is a mixed family. My grandfather was a Christian, a Catholic, and my grandma was a Hindu. So it was a mixed culture. We did both. So when I came to know the Lord, it was a shame for the family. But this I could bear to say, and I challenged my mom at the time. I said, you can do whatever you want. I'm not giving up on Jesus. He chose me, and I chose him. So there's nothing to be done about it. So this went on for a long time in church, until I was 21, when there was a friend, a youth, another youth leader, a girl, who came to know about what I was doing secretly. So one day in a youth, um, not a youth meeting, uh, where we met, the leaders met, so, so she raised a question, said, I want, I want to ask a question, and everyone was listening, she said, is it possible for someone to be Christian and homosexual at the, time, at the same time? I knew she was talking about me. I was so scared because I knew things would be uh, come in the open now. So I stood up. I said, please, let me do it. And she said, no, why do you want to talk? I'm not talking about you. I said, I know you're talking about me, but please let me do it. So I stood up and said to everyone here, I have to confess something. I'm the one she's talking about. I'm a Christian. I'm a youth leader. I'm, I'm doing praise and worship in church. I'm doing so much but I'm still um, homosexual, and I can't do anything to change that on my own. I don't know what to do. I've been praying. I can tell you I've been praying, 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 praying really hard. I've been casting demons out of myself. But things never changed because I needed something more. I needed my real issue to be addressed. You know, I need God to do surgery on my heart to change me from the inside out. I only wanted things to change on the outside. I wanted to be manly. I wanted to be a guy, you know. So when she said that, I was really scared. I I said to myself, now they're going to throw you out of the church. But you know what happened? And it still touches my heart when I think of it. My youth pastor came to me and said to me, we had no idea what you were going through. I don't know why you didn't tell us. But I can tell you something. Now that I know what you're going through, I love you even more. And that melts my heart away. Because you know, I feared rejection again. All my life, I feared rejection. I feared that people would reject me knowing the truth about me. And now I was in the church but it, did, it was so good at the time. He hugged me, and for the th- first time, I could be myself, I could be true, and I just burst in tears, and everyone in the group just stood and hugged me. They said to me, you know what, Shane? We don't know how to help you because we don't have a clue how to deal with homosexuality. We've never heard about it in the church. We don't know. when are not equipped to do that, but one thing we've promised you, we're going to love you, and we're going to walk with you through this. We're going to pray for you. We're going to be there for you. So uh, time passed, and one of the girls who was also a leader, a good friend of mine, not the same girl eventually, so she came to me and said one day, you know, I don't know why, but the Lord told me I should be helping you out with what you're struggling. And she said to me, you know, I'm honest with you. I don't have a clue about that. I never did counseling. I never did anything like that. But I feel it's the Lord leading me to help you. So if you agree, we're going to work together on it. And we're going to see how the Lord will do it. We're going to learn together. So I said yes. I said, I was desperate. I would take any help, any kind of help. So we agreed. We started doing counseling. At the time, she, we just had the internet. So she was able to go online and search for resources, how to help people struggling with homosexual attractions and gender crisis, you know? So we, we had counseling sh- sessions every week. That was really hard. Because for the first time, I had to open up to someone. And I had to be true because we were in a covenant that we would be true. Whatever it would be, whenever I would sin, I would have to confess to her. I had to, have, to be accountable to her. So, and it was a shame for me. Can you imagine? The leader who I was, I was very respected as a young leader. So now to come and to be true to people, they will know who you are. That's hard. It would have been better to, change, uh, to shift from that church to another church where no one knows you. Yeah. You know, But I was sincere in what I wanted to, to experience in my life. I wanted freedom, true freedom. But true freedom means You have to let go of everything. You can't be fake and experience freedom. You can't be someone else and think you will be really free. You have to be yourself. Even if it stinks sometimes, pardon me for my language, but that's who you are. Accept it. Be true about it. I was the kind of guy, because my mom had so much pressure on me, I always thought people had to love me. And people had to speak highly of me. So I did everything. I was a man pleaser. You know, you want something? I'll get it for you. Don't you worry. Shane's here. No worry. And people knew me like that. And now that the mask has been removed, I was scared about how people would look at me. Will they reject me? Will they judge me? All this was really heavy to carry. But the Holy Spirit was here to help me. Every time I opened up, he would put his arms around me and would tell me, It's okay. I love you. You know? That's why when I sing of the love of God, I, I remember of my own experience how the love of God has helped me overcome so much in my life. Like I told you, I would not have chosen me because I was not a good man. I was trying to live a life. Of be righteous, but I wasn't righteous inside. I was lying to everybody. But God loves me. That's right. That is what changed my life. So we've been doing counseling for, for three years, and it was like really a change for me, because now that I was accountable, so I could not do anything. I just anything I wanted. I was I was also addicted to pornography to masturbation. It was awful. I was a slave to everything. My thoughts would go running wild when I see a young man in front of me. So I had to be honest about that. And she would ask me questions like, how did you feel about that guy who just came to church? I'd say, why do you want to know? She said, I just want to know if you're doing okay, if things are getting better or better. But I had to be honest. So, but she was there for me. We be, we were good friends. We became closer, and then after the three years, the Lord said to me, "You know, Shane, now it's good. You need to get out of this counseling relationship." I was scared because for for three years I was like, "We can say clean." But what about now? Why are you taking me out of a safe place? I didn't know what the Lord was doing. So God said, "No, now I will tell." the girl as well, but it's over now. You need to go on your own. I'm taking care of you. You're strong enough now to fly alone. So I told her, and she said, are you sure you're going to be okay? I said, if ever I'm not okay, I'm going to run back to you. Don't you worry, because that's the only place I can go. So, and God was good, because God has, wor- has been working in my life from, during that, and things had changed. I didn't realize it. Things had changed. You know, before um, that time, I never experienced feelings like attraction to, to women, to girls. So in my mind, I was clean, but I was going to be like Paul, if I'm correct. I'm going to be single. I was fine with that. I said because I'm never, I never felt attracted to a girl, so I won't get married. So, but I'm okay. You know what? I always say to God, you know what? I don't care when I come in, but all I ask you to let me in heaven. Even if I have to stay near the door, I don't care. But at least I am in heaven because I didn't want to go to hell. So, but the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. And he does think far above what we can ever ask or imagine. You know what, my friends? It turned out to be the Lord after some months, said to me, she's the one you're going to marry. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) You know why? My wife is the kind of girl who speaks her mind. And she doesn't think twice before saying things. I don't know, ladies, if you're like that. But for her, it's either black or white. There's no gray.
1: So,
0: I was scared because I knew the type of girl she was. So, at the time, she, she left for a spiritual camp in London. So, she came back after a month. But when she came back, I felt closer to her. I felt some special feelings because I couldn't describe what it was. I never knew what it was all about. So, I felt something, you know, butterflies. And I was getting scared because I was like, is it normal? So, one day, because I'd never dated a girl before, so never, I didn't know how to proceed. So one day while we were having lunch, as friends, I always remember she was having chicken and chips. So she was eating. And I just said, OK, it's now or never. So I said to her, hey, what do you think if I ask you to marry me? <laughs> and she was eating. and she just put her knife up and she said, sorry? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, (laughs) you need to know that. I just swallowed my saliva and said, stay calm. I'm just asking. There's no pressure. I'm just asking. I'm just wondering, you know. Don't take it serious. And she said, can you repeat yourself? I said, yes. What do you think if I asked you to marry me? What would you say? And she goes like, did you pray about it? I said, no. She said, why are you asking then? (laughs) I was like, like I told you, she's very sharp. So I said, but because, she said, there's no because. You have to pray about this. This is serious. So unless you pray, you don't talk about these things. I said, yes, but I thought it would be good if we prayed together because it concerns the two of us. She said, I don't want to pray about it. You know, the funny thing is that, what I tell you, she was the one who accompanied me during the counseling. And she, she, she told me, she confessed later, the first day she met me, the Lord spoke to her heart and said, this is your husband. <laughs> but at that time, she just came back from her studies. She came back from London. She had other plans. She wanted to go back to London because she already had a job there, but she had to come back for the visa and everything. So she was there for a short period of time. She would go back. So she rebuked that devil at the time. <laughs> So she said, when I proposed, and she said, no, it's happening now. It's been years, but it's still happening. So she did her best to make it not happen, but now it's happening. Like we had been friends for six years, and now she was scared. And she said to me, you have to be serious about it. You pray. Because one thing also she told me before we started counseling, she said, promise me something. I said, yes, anything. She said, promise me you will never fall in love with me. I said, yes, that's easy. (laughs) That's easy. I don't know how to. I don't want to. So that's easy. That's no problem. So when that happened, she said, you remember what I told you in the beginning? And now here you go. So we decided to pray about it together. And she said, we're not praying forever. We are only praying until the end of this year. It was September, late September. She said, we're praying till the end of the year. If the Lord doesn't say anything, that's not from him. And we forget about it. I said, okay, I'm good with that. So we went back home and we started praying and nothing happened until the 31st of December <laughs> because I knew it was expiry date. So I had, to, I had to have an answer. So I was praying. And you know what? During that time, she was very bizarre with me. She stayed far from me. She said, I don't want to mess things up, so stay away from me. And I, said, I thought... How strange is that? We're praying for us to be together, and we're staying apart. And Never mind. So on that day, I prayed. I cried. I said, Lord, you have to answer me. She's so busy. She's so serious about it. I can't mess it. I need to know from you. And the Lord said, yes, it's her. I felt peace. And I went to see her after the church service. We had a late-night service that, that day. So I said to her, you know what? The Lord answered me. She said, yes, me too. With a serious face. I said, uh, she said, what did he tell you? I said, he said, yes. And I said, what about you? He's, and she said, he said, yes. And she banged the door in my face. She said, bye. <laughs> that was it. My confirmation like that. So, and we got we got to 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 discover each other now as lovers and, and, you know, not anymore as friends, but it was hard for her and for me because I was discovering some new things in my life, things I'd never thought I would be able to do. You know, holding her hand at, at the beginning was difficult, but God made things smoother and smoother with time. Why I'm telling you that is because today I'm married. And I have three wonderful boys. Isn't the Lord good? I never imagined a second that I would even get married and lesser be a dad. Because I was scared to be a dad. Because my dad wasn't there for me. I said, I would never know how to be a dad. But the Lord showed me something, told me something. You know what? Even if your dad never told you how to be a dad, I'm going to tell you how to be a dad. Because I'm your dad. Learn from me. And here I am standing today, all because of the grace of God. He did so much for me. And for since three years, he's been pressing on my heart to stand up and speak about my testimony. Because there's so much happening right now. You know about it. More perhaps in the USA than in Mauritius. But we are very scared in Mauritius because it's, there are these activists come, uh, rising up and saying that we have rights. And they are talking to our children, saying, like, you were born like that. You can't do anything about it. But the Lord sent me. The Lord said, you have to go and speak that I did not make you that way. Mm -hmm. Things change with circumstances. And you know what was hard for me to accept? But the Lord showed that to me. I never made men straight or homosexual. I made men a sexual being. Your sexual identity is what you choose to be. Because when you think about all these people doing crazy things to children, some even with animals, God did not make that. Of course, we do have this urge in us because we were made sexual beings, but we choose what we want to be. Of course, there was, like me, this abuse that shaped my identity, but the Lord restored me. And I am here today to say that God can change anything, That's right. can change anyone, anytime. We just have to come to him, you know? Perhaps you will say that my story doesn't relate to you, but I was saying that in France as well. The Lord said to me, don't remind the people it's not about homosexuality. I'm not standing to say that homosexuality is all what it's about, but it's about the power of God the power of his love to come in and change your life and transform you and really make you a new creation. God can do it, and God will do it if you let him. So I would like to challenge you this morning. I don't know what you've been going through. Perhaps it's worse than me, or it's less, but still the message is still the same. God can do it, and God will do it if you let him. So that's what he wants me to tell you. Whatever your circumstance be, whatever has happened to you, open up to him. If he could cha- he, he, had, he changed me, he can change you. Mm-hmm. You've heard how bad it was for me, but he still did it. Anyone who puts his trust in the Lord shall never be ashamed, and you will never regret it. Receiving Jesus in my heart was the best decision. And if I had to do it all, all over again, I would choose Jesus again. Because it was hard, but it was worth it. Amen. He turned things out to be so beautiful now. When I see my kids, I, I'm amazed. I, I say, this is part of me. Look what you've done. And I, oh, I can only lift my eyes to the Lord and say, it's all because of you. Of your goodness. So today, I would invite you. I don't know what you're going through. It can be something in your marriage, or something in your personal life, or you can be like me sitting here but living a double life. It doesn't matter. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did for me, because I was not special. I found favor in his eyes, but it's the same favor that he gives to everyone. Would you stand up, please? I would ask the worship team if you can join me, if that's okay with you, John. Let us take a moment to, to just digest what you've just heard. Here I am before you. I'm a proof of God's grace. I'm a living testimony of what he can do. He can do marvelous things. He can change, like we hear it so many times, a mess into a message. I'm the message today. I'm talking out of what I've experienced. I didn't make up this story. This is my life. This is my story. And you're welcome to enjoy the same freedom, be it whatever you're struggling with, Whatever the battle is, there is freedom, true freedom in Jesus Christ. And he who the Son sets free, is free indeed. You can ask me, is there no more battles in your life? I do have battles. Because the enemy doesn't want me to remain clean. He doesn't want me to remain pure. He doesn't want me to remain this beautiful creation of God. He wants to spoil it to mess with it again. But one thing I've known, when I trust in God, he always shows up for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? You know, so I would like you to join me in this song. We have to stand up, not against homosexuality, but against the devil himself. Because he's out to destroy what God has made beautiful. He's so angry because he was kicked out of heaven. He doesn't want us to enjoy heaven. And let me tell you, heaven is not some place you will go one day. It's already here. It's found in Jesus. And you can be in heaven right now. Seated in Christ. Like the word says. This is a mystery. How we are here in body. But we are also in heaven, seated in Christ next to the Father. This is our blessed assurance. You can have have it too. I was in Mexico years ago when an old lady, she was almost 80. I had shared my testimony. She came to me and she was crying. I said, what happened? She said, you know what? Today I received my deliverance. I said, why? She said, when I was a child, I was abused by my father. And then I was abused by a man. And you know what the worst? My family made me marry this man. So I married my abuser. She said, I've lived with him for 50 years. He died now. But I never told this to anyone. She said, now when I heard you, I received that peace. And I was set free. She, She was 80. Can you imagine living your life all this time? bound by guilt by shame perhaps you don't know to whom to turn to but if you ask from your heart God will give you someone to walk with you through that you don't have to do it on your own God has put so many people around you just be sensitive to his voice and just be willing to accept his help because the help of the Lord may come in different ways. For different means and ways. Sometimes it can be the, the last person you would think you would choose. But God has his ways of doing things. He does it so that he can receive all the glory from it. And today as we stand, let us take a time to recommit our lives to God. Perhaps you say, "How many times do I have to do it? Have to do it over and over again until you know it's done." And the Lord is not scared. The Lord is not angry at you, but you come every day. I come every day and say, "Lord, please forgive me. Lord, please take me in. Please thank you for filling me with your love every day, because His mercies are new each morning. I don't want to live on yesterday's mercy." I want the new mercy of this day. I want to enjoy the fresh bread of the day. So I invite you to come. And let us turn our hearts to him. If you would, we would take this song, This is my desire. This is my
1: desire To walk All that we have is all I have within me. I give You praise, and all that I adore is in You. Let's give ourselves to God. Thank you. every moment, Lord, have your way, Lord, have your way. and I give myself away, I give myself away, so you can use me. I give myself away. Yes. Can we just sing these words? I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. We surrender all to you. I give myself away so you can use I give myself away, I give myself away, so you can
0: use me, Father God, I pray right now, you see the hands that are lifted up to you, we cry unto you, because we know you are the only way, you are our only hope, God. There is no salvation outside of you. We just come to you just as we are. We don't want to run from you, but we want to run to you this morning. Because we know that you will never cast us away. You said it in your word I will never put away, put aside those who come to me. And you said if we would seek you with our whole heart, you will let us find you. We need you this morning. We want you this morning. Nothing or no one else will ever do like you do. Nothing can take your place in our lives. We desperately need you. Lord, I've shared my story. i shared my testimony. But I pray now that the life of God will move in this place. Yeah, yes, and resurrect even those who feel they are dead inside Lord because of so much pain they feel numb now in their lives they don't have any feelings Lord they feel that they are dead but you can make these bones
1: live again Lord you can change it all right now today is the day you said if we hear your voice today not to Lord Hallelujah. turn away from you So here we are in your presence. Daddy, we call unto you just as we are. Take us, Lord. Break us. Mold us. And make us into
0: who you want us to be. We want to be like you. We want to be like Jesus. We want to experience fullness in you. We want to find our true identity in you, Lord. I pray for every hand that's that's lifted up. You know the hearts, you know the pain, you know the burden, you know the cries. You've seen the tears, every tear, Lord. Perhaps men have not seen, but you have seen them all. And you want to set us free right now. You want us to live according to the design of your heart. You want us to enjoy what you created us to be in you. Lord, I pray that the chains will now fall in the name of Jesus. Let the prison gates be open right now. Let those who are in the darkness hiding too long, for too long, come out into the light. Your light doesn't shame us. Your light sets us free. Your light removes every shame from us. You want us to live and walk in the light because this is where we are truly free and this is where the enemy cannot touch us because he's from the darkness he cannot access the light that's what you that's why you want us to remain and live in the light because the light is the safest place and we know the light is your presence lord because you are the light of heaven shine in our lives lord let the chains be broken Let the hearts be open at the sound of my voice, but more to the sound of your voice, Lord. Let the people turn to you right now. Let every heart be set on you, because you are the one. You did it in my life, and you will do it in their lives, Lord. I speak healing to the souls that are hurting right now. I call unto you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to procreate, proclaim deliverance to the captives come out of your prison right now in Jesus name it's time now that you enjoy freedom in Christ don't live anymore in the darkness in the shame of your past today Jesus makes all things beautiful all things new you can become a new creation he's not afraid of what you've done there's nothing too big too great for the Lord His hand is here. Let him touch you right now where you are. For thus, I pray that your spirit will convict every heart of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Lord, move in this place. Thank you,
2: Jesus. I just want to thank uh, Shane for his courage today in sharing that story. And I thank the Lord that that pastor that day didn't reject him and say, you're not welcome in our church. Did you hear the message that's resounding this morning in this place? God doesn't say clean up your act and then when you get it all together, come come over here. He says in 1 Corinthians 5, he talks about all the people that are broken that come to him. And there's a whole list of people there from people that are people that swindle people in business, to people that are gay, to people that are rebels, people that are full of rebellion. And he says, that's what some of you were, but you have been washed, you've been transformed, you've been sanctified. The Lord wants us to come to him just like we are. I want to ask Shane to uh, come down in the front and I want to ask our prayer team to come down too. I know we've gone a little late today, but if you need prayer, I would say don't leave this place. If there is something, and it's not just sexual sin, it's all sorts of double things that we live, isn't it? Shane had the courage to come out of the light and say, and it's not just deliverance, it's being willing to walk in accountability with people that can love you over a long period of time. So we just want to take a moment this morning, if you want prayer to just come, and I want to ask also uh, if one of the ushers would hold a basket back near the back, if you didn't get a chance to give to Shane's ministry earlier, if uh, you'll just take one of the baskets, Bob, if you can arrange that or whoever, they're back there. Okay, Chris and uh, you can give that way. But let's just pray, and then Jeff's going to just continue to play. If you want a fellowship, you can go out to the cafe. But let's make this a place of prayer where we can just come. If you need prayer for encouragement, even if you know somebody that is struggling, that's been abused, somebody that has experienced something similar, come and stand in for them as well. So, Father, we want to thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We want to thank you that you don't expect us to come to you camera ready. You say, come as you are, and I'm going to be the artist. I'm going to be the one that changes your life. I'm going to be the one that forgives and transforms. And, Lord, I pray today for each heart, every person here, that your spirit would work in us, that your anointing, God, would work in us. Lord, just bless us, God, in the name of Jesus And Lord, as we go forth from this place today, help us to be the kind of people that are like you, that embrace the people around us. We don't expect them to conform to our standards, but we reach out in your love and we love them unconditionally, allowing your spirit to operate through us. Can we just agree to do that today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's go in the blessing of the Lord.